Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad in Shabbat Shalom. It's so good to be back. We are starting a new adventure today in the book of Zephaniah, or in the Hebrew, Zephaniah. Zephaniah. So see if you can find that in your scriptures. Let's turn to the book of Zephaniah, and while you do, I'll give you a brief overview. <coughs> I love some of the terminology within the book of Zephaniah. I will utterly consume total destruction, stumbling blocks of the wicked. They have turned their back from Yahuwah. Those were written thousands of years ago, but they mean so much to us today, don't they? How the wicked have turned their back from Yahuwah. Utter destruction, total, total calamity. Think about it. When you read the book of Zephaniah, as we will go through this over the next few weeks, today's just going to be an introduction. What you'll see is this isn't just localized judgment. This is complete, utter destruction, which today, in the day that we live, makes more and more sense to the words of the prophet. Because even the past, you know, 50 years, think about how close we have been to utter destruction, like before humanity. When was it? October in, of course, 1962. What May, some of you that are a little older remember. October 1962, there was 14 days when the world was on edge. Of course, that was right after was what's now known to infamously as the Cuban Missile Crisis, October 1962. communism. We live right now where America has shifted. Within the next 18 months, you're going to see a residency, but they've it's called death. Okay, because generation and how dangerous it is. So you can look back to October 62 and you can see how the word Zephaniah penned so many thousands of years ago really could come true. But not just then. You can see it now, today. Because we've got Russia presently scrambling fighters to intercept a U.S spy plane near Croatia. We've got the U.S. and China missile mysteries within the South China Sea coming across our news screens weekly. We've got the U.S. and Iran in a nuclear stalemate with warnings. And of course, we've got the Iranians and the British and the Gibraltar seizure all across our news feed within the past several weeks. So these words of Zephaniah, utter destruction, not localized, but utter destruction. You can see how it can come true so easily, more so now than it could when the words of this prophecy were penned. Another phrase we'll find in the book of Zephaniah is, I will punish 
the princes and the kings of the children. Personally, I am sick and tired of hearing about Meghan and Harry. I am sick and tired about hearing about Kate and William across the news feeds because it says, I will punish the princes and the king's children. Why? Because the princes, the king's children, they betrayed the king. And I'm talking about, of course, King Edward VII, the last king, and then they betrayed him with who? King George V, as they did a deal with, of course, the globalists, and we went into World War I. And then, of course, after George V, we had, of course, George VI, who betrayed the British, and we went into World War II, and out of that, we now live in this post-allied world where, in fact, you found the very people that supposedly we were at war against, communism, fascism, in fact, is now called democratic socialism. Seventy years, and they finally, finally captured the flag. What happens when you invade a nation? When you take a nation captive, the first thing you do is you take down their flag and you hoist your own flag. Now, whether it's in UC Irving, California, they're trying to take down the American flag. Whether it's in North Carolina, they're trying to remove the American flag because this nation has been taken over by democratic socialism and it is the root of the evil that is permeating, and the words of the prophets are so powerful in a day like today. So let that be an introduction to you of the prophetic implications of Zephaniah's words to us today. The date and occasion of this book, it's written and it's the kingdom of Judah. This is a very, very important message to the kingdom of Judah. And I'm talking the real kingdom of Judah. It was written in around 640 to 609 before the Common Era. And it was around the time of King Josiah's reforms. And it says thus, The word of Yahweh which came to Zephaniah the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith Yahweh. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from the land, saith Yahweh. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Shemarims with the priests and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops and them that worship and swear by Yahuwah and that swear by Malchum and them that are turned back from Yahuwah and those that have not sought Yahuwah nor inquired for him. Verse 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the master Yahuwah. 
For the day of Yahweh is at hand. For Yahweh hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. And it shall come to pass in the day of Yahweh's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. In the same day also I will punish all those that leap on the threshold and that which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith Yahweh, and there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate and a howling from the second and a great crashing from the hills. Of course, the introduction Zephaniah or Zephaniah was one of the 12 minor prophets in the Hebrew scriptures, the ninth in the book, in the collection. Now, these 12 prophets are classified as minor prophets, and that doesn't mean they're of not of grand importance. It just means that they were, of course, smaller in their collection rather than large, as opposed to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. It's not because they were minor in significance. That's not why they're called the minor prophets, nor because their message is irrelevant to their society. Heaven forbid. It is because the collection is much smaller. As we look in here and we see Zephaniah or Zephaniah, a Negro Israelite, a son of Cush. Zephaniah means Yahuwah hides. Now, Zephaniah's father was named Cushi. And Cushi, as an adjective, that means black. In both Hebrew, it means black. And in Greek, it means black. Now, Cushi is an affectionate term for a Negro of Ethiopian origin, derived from the biblical land of Cush. And it is an area that was alongside the Niger River. And if you actually look at ancient maps in 1736 and ancient maps in 1747 of Africa, you'll find a country called Negroland and the Kingdom of Judah. This is of utmost importance for us to understand how Yahweh is gathering the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. Because what actually happened is in this Gulf of Guinea in Western Africa, European slave ship holders, they were Ashkenazi slavers. They were of European origin. They were Western Mongols that had infiltrated Britain, and mainly Portugal. They were the Ashkenazi slavers. They were wealthy merchant slavers that went down to the coast of Guinea. They employed Mohammedan trappers, Islamics, to go into the kingdom of Judah and Negro land and take the royal house of Judah captive in slave ships, as it's recorded in the book of Deuteronomy, and bring them over to America, and they became known today as what? African Americans. Who is trying 
to enslave the African Americans more than any people. Democratic socialism, which is why I am a huge supporter of Blexit and Candace Owen and those that are bringing the awareness. Now, Blexit means what? It's African Americans or blacks that are exiting the Democratic Party because they've been awakened to see that the Democratic Party are the biggest slavers and always have been in the USA. So Candace Owens is doing an amazing job with Blexit, blacks exiting the Democratic Party, realizing that, of course, democratic socialism is, of course, all part of this globalist agenda of what we need to expose. So, all that to say this, Zephania, of course, a Negro Israelite, more complex than what Bible scholars would just like to rush through because it is not politically expedient to them today. We're going to see, of course, this area of which Zephania, this area, of course, of which we're talking about, Negro land and the kingdom of Judah. If you were to look at an African map today, the kingdom of Judah right on the Gulf of Guinea appears today in present day, in the present day Republic of Benin and the nation of Togo. So if you look on a map today at the nation of Togo and the present Republic of Benin, that is where the kingdom of Judah and Negro land was. So this is very important to our history as Israel. And many will go, well, you can't say the word Negro. I find that so offensive. I just think that that's culturally insensitive, Matthew. I'm talking biblical anthropology. Grow up, snowflake. You are not special. You are not beautiful. You are not a unique snowflake. You are the same decaying organic matter as everything else. Give me a break. People today are whitewashed walls, are they not? Literally snowflakes. Cush is one of the sons of Ham who is the son of Noah. Now, Cush, therefore, is Noah's grandson. The territory named after Cush is called the land of Cush. And it's actually found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 13, where the, the word Cush is listed as Ethiopius or Ethiopia in the Septuagint, the LXX, which is the same word, Cush, that's used in other verses in the Bible. You can find it in Isaiah 11:11, 11, and it comes across as Ethiopius in the Septuagint, Isaiah 45, verse 15, Ethiopian, and of course, we just studied it, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 7, Ethiopian. So what we're talking about here is Negro as a anthropological, biblical term because I want to expose democratic socialism and slavery 
as it was then, so it is today, which is why I'm a big supporter of Candace Owens and Blexit, blacks exiting the Democratic Party. It's good for Israel, it's good for you, and it's good for the prophecies of the Bible because Yahuwah says that he will gather all 12 tribes and the Ashkenazi are not one of them, okay? But those taken captive from Negro land along the river Niger in the area that I've just located, that's very important that we understand what we're talking about. So, for Zephania's father to be named Cushy means that he was black, Negro, African, a regal Negro from Negro land or the kingdom of Judah. We have ourselves here an amazing black prophet anointed to warn Yahweh's people about his wrath on them for their sin. And of course, this black-skinned prophet is part of the lineage of Messiah. Now, Zephaniah's father was Cushy. His grandfather was, it says right there, Gedaliah. And Gedaliah, his great-grandfather was Amariah. And Hezekiah the king was his great-great-grandfather. So the dark-skinned Negro, Negro trait is woven into what? into the genealogy because Hezekiah is one of the kings in the genealogy of Yahushua in Matthew chapter 1. Now, no funky monks would have been preaching this to you, and you're not going to hear this in your local Baptist church because they want to keep you down and enslaved, regardless of the color of your skin. But Yahweh says that we are Joseph's coat, a multi colored ethnic group that is being taken out of the nations regardless because the ones that want to enslave us are not particularly caring what color our skin is they are the globalists and they are Ashkenazi slavers in their origin and they will employ the Mohammedan to do their dirty work just as they did in the 1700s they are doing today, which is why it is so important when you get blacks raising up like Candace Owens, waking up and making a stand, and why Blexit is so important in this country. So important. Anyway, let's continue on. We have the regal, regal, excuse me, regal Negro connection to the house of Judah and Yahushua himself. Now, we know King Hezekiah had more interaction with Africa than any other king of Judah. Hezekiah married an African woman who then gave birth to Zedekiah's grandfather. So, to find a Negro as one of the minor prophets and of regal status means that black Africans have contributed what? Hugely! to the total development of ancient Israel in a way that modern history does not want to admit. Because modern history is fabricated history. It is, a his it is not historical truth. And we have to look at historical truth. 
So democratic socialists are enemies of Israel, always have been, always will be the biggest slavers, of course. Zephaniah was thus of royal descent, a regal Negro. He lived in Jerusalem since he describes Jerusalem in, in quite some detail, as we'll see in this opening chapter. This prophetic book, of course, bears his name. He mentions the fish gate and the second quarter in verse 10 of chapter 1. So the prophetic mantle that is upon this prophet spanned the reign of King Josiah in 640 to 609 before the common era. This is the last voice of a prophet. Think about it. The last voice of a prophet that Israel had heard was the voice of the prophet Isaiah in 701 before this guy came along. So they were really ready to hear some prophetic news. It just so happened that it wasn't feel-good news. And you and I, we need to hear some prophetic news. And it's not necessarily going to make you feel all warm and cozy, but that's not my job. That's not the job of the words of Yahuwah. The job of the words of Yahuwah are to wake you up, backslider, to the realities of the situation that you and I happen to be birthed and live in. How can a loving God do such a terrible thing to all of humanity? Utterly consume all things from off the land, saith Yahweh. I will utterly consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. I mean, consuming all things, man and beast, fowls of the heaven, fishes of the sea. What on earth has happened that would give grounds to this? I'll tell you what. It's called the sixth seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh plague. That's what would happen that would give grounds to this. This is prophecy. Great Babylon is going to be destroyed. You can run, but you can't hide. Even if you try to in the dens and the rocks of the mountain. Because great Babylon is going to be remembered before Yahuwah for all of her wicked deeds. To give her the fierceness of the cup of his wrath. Islands, mountains, hail from heaven. Now, in the prophetic past, this was a judgment on Judah. Specifically, we can see how Negro land and the kingdom of Judah suffered terribly and had severe judgment. The book of Deuteronomy explains how the regal Negro was taken captive in slave ship. But that part of our history will never be taught in the government re-education camps of America called public school. Never. They'll only go back enough years to ferment animosity and racial division because that's their goal. But Yahuwah is about bringing his whole house back, which is a multi-ethnic tribe, 12 into one. 
these words are so powerful to me. Whether it was the prophetic judgment in the past on the kingdom of Judah or our prophetic present or the prophetic future judgment oracle against the nation. We've got Brexit in England. We've got Blexit in the USA. And the same enemy is democratic socialism. An enemy we should have defeated back in 1940. But we were asleep. And we let the bankers take captive Winston Churchill and others on Wall Street. And now we are reaping the consequences of that. But why man and beast, fowls of the heaven and fishes of the sea? What has happened to the creation that demands such utter destruction? Because for that kind of utter destruction, something's perverted has happened, not only to man, but to the creation itself. You see, this is a prophecy of the last kingdom made of iron and clay. Now, what is iron? What, what are all our, what, what, what of our technology, all of our technology, whether it's mobile devices, our computers, our infrastructure? Iron is tech, and clay is flesh. And eventually, this iron, tech, and clay flesh is going to be crushed by the kingdom of Yahuwah. What do I mean? We live in a crazy <laughs> fiber optic world, don't we? And what is fiber optic? What is it built upon? It's sand. It's glass. Our house is built on sand, whether it's the banking, the financing, the whole global infrastructure is a house built upon fiber optics. It's built upon sand. Sand, silicone, glass, and fiber. Now, when society gets to the point where they believe to humanize artificial intelligence betters humanity, we have a prophetic problem. We have got a prophetic problem when we come to that. Do you believe that we've come to that? Keanu Reeves believes we have. I believe we have. Now, when rolling out neutral networks that combine biology and biologically inspired models of the human brain and key sensory networks to create a virtual nervous system that they call what? A human computing engine. We've got a prophetic problem. When mankind is at the junction where they want to literally plug in and they're starting to engage with interactive artificial humanoids into their cloud-based human computing engine, we've got a prophetic problem. When they can transform modern life for what they believe to be a better life by revolutionizing the way IA robots and machines interact with people, we have a prophetic problem. How people can continue on and not be concerned about this, I don't know. It troubles me so much 
it troubles me so much. Humanity is at the point of self-replicating DNA computers and the mark of the beast is merging with tech. Iron and clay. Iron and clay. The words of the prophets are so clear, yet they could only see in their day. But we are living where it is coming in to play in our life. We're a human hive mind, which means one with it. Singularity, transhumanism, human argumentation, biohacking, bioethics, and cyborg culture is all about what? Freedom or slaving? It's slaving. It's slavery. The key to understanding this prophetic doom oracle of judgment is the body. It's a vessel. It's a temple. And it belongs to the creator, Yahweh. What mankind does to that temple in the future is truly the key to understanding the mark of the beast. The abomination of desolation in the temple of Yahweh. We've got digital DNA today. Digital DNA. We've got the Nyoga Protocol. Biological diversity. The Synthetic Biology Project. We've got nanotechnology for human life extension. Cryogenics. Biotechnology. Cyber consciousness for relieving human suffering and extending human life. And it's all being brought about, and it's going to come about under the anvil of Yahweh's judgment upon man and beast and consuming the fowls of the heaven, the fishes of the sea, and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. You see, Zephaniah, Zephaniah announces a prophecy of general extermination. Broad stroke. A prophecy that most Bible commentators avoid or they try and soften it and diminish it because we have the gospel of Christ. And that would never happen now for God is good, but he's also just. He is also hates wickedness. If we don't proclaim Zephaniah's message today, then his radical, and they are radical pronouncements of Yahweh's judgment upon the whole earth would be rendered irrelevant to a generation that needs to hear his words more than any generation that has ever existed before. So people are like, why, why are you teaching the book of Zephaniah? I thought we were going to do the book of Revelation. Oh, this is the Revelation. This is leading me into the book of Revelation. We'll get there. But this is so important, it paves the way. And the only reason we're in the is because I'm studying the book of Revelation and the prophet's words are jumping off the page to me. The reality of the sick and twisted world that I live in, that you live in. And I'm in the front lines. I am in the front lines. And I hate it. I hate it. But I have to believe 
connected. If I can communicate the words of the prophet to a generation that needs it and makes sense of it, then it's all worth it, right? Yahweh's pronouncement of judgment upon the whole earth. But this is relevant. This is important to modern hearers and modern readers of Yahweh's word. Very important. As we proceed, please, I beg of you, do not make the mistake of generations in the past, of congregants in the 1930s who heard the sermons of pastors and preachers, but they hurried past the words of Zephaniah as the Russian Bolsheviks encroached upon the West and the Germans stood his ground. No, we can't be like that generation. One of history's mighty men he saw what was happening. He saw what was happening. He sent a warning, a warning that went unheeded. And he was quickly silenced by a convenient accident. 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 Which took his life. Who am I talking about? Anybody? General S. Patton, commander of the U.S. Third Army and governor of the America Zone, in occupied Germany, he declared this. We've defeated the wrong enemy. We fought on the wrong side as the Russians moved west. Communism moved west. If we had listened to the words of Zephaniah in 1930, instead of dumbing them down, we would have stood our ground. You and I have an opportunity to listen to his words today because we're facing the same foe. It's just been politicized into democratic socialism. But still, the hammer and the sickle is appearing on campuses across this nation. American flags are being taken down and burnt Crosses are being dismantled. Generals from yesteryear, their statues are being defaced with Russian communist symbols of which 40 years ago people would have been imprisoned for treason. Whole political parties are coming up. Bernie Sanders, a communist, is being thrust before you. All under the veil of democratic socialism, where he's promising to pay off all of your debt. If you want to read history from a man who was there, not a bunch of post-World War II allied propaganda, then I suggest you read the Patton Papers published in 1947. Wake up, snowflake. Patton knew there were Semitic alien conspirators behind the scenes in New York, Washington, and Moscow. But what he didn't know is that they weren't really Shemetic. They were J-pathetic. They weren't sons of Shem because the sons of Shem had already suffered under the Ashkenazi 
back in 1736 in the sea coast of Guinea, Negro land in Judah. This was an imposter. It was in fact the synagogue of Satan. Those who say they are Jews but are not. Ashkenazi slavers. The same today, behind the scenes, behind D.C., behind the state of Israel, behind Hollywood, behind all of this fiat currency that is just being printed and printed and printed. We live in a time where people need to wake up to the reality of what's going on. Because the more that General Patton saw of the Soviet Bolsheviks, the stronger Patton's conviction grew that the proper course of action would be to stifle communism. And <coughs> our proper course of action is to stifle democratic socialism, which is why Candace Owens, the blacks in America that are waking up to their heritage, Blexit, is so important, so important. Stifling communism and all of its forms as he witnessed the Bolsheviks then and there while the opportunity existed to stop them. These Ashkenazi hordes of Mongol invaders. You see, Patton recognized the Soviet danger and he urged a course of action, a course of action which would have freed, think about it, all of Eastern Europe from the communist yoke with the expenditure of far less American blood than was killed in Korea. Far less American blood that was killed in Vietnam. And it would have averted both those later wars, not to mention World War III, of which Zephaniah prophetically addresses. You think October 1962 was close? You have no idea where we're at. Yahweh's wrath burning up a creation gone wrong. Creation gone wrong. It's like the prophet Jeremiah's vision. A vision of Yahweh's act of creation reversed. Everything is to be destroyed. Human being and beast and bird and fish. Man has opened what? Pandora's box. The portal to hell and unleashed a fury that he can't even comprehend. We are messing with advanced technology that is opening portals into hell that we don't even have the right to mess around with. Yahweh alone, he can stop the chaos, and stop the chaos he will, but it will come at great cost to creation. And except that Yahweh had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened those days. Jeremiah tells us in the fourth chapter, and the 23rd the verse thus. <coughs> Behold, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form, it was, it was void. 
and the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they, they trembled, and the hills, they moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was, there was no man. And all birds of the heavens, they were fled. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness. Because that's where you and I will be fleeing to. You're going to stay in the cities, in the FEMA zones? And all the cities, therefore, were broken down. Like Portland, Oregon, with Antifa. Austin, Texas. Not to mention, you can't even walk down the streets of San Francisco without stepping into feces and tripping over needles. Trash everywhere. Rats. Disease. Mayhem. And all the cities, therefore, were broken down at the fruitful presence of Yahweh and by his fierce anger. This, this is an encouraging message, is it not? No, but it is an important message because you will be encouraged when you go out there because we do have a hope. Because if you're awake and you see what's happening out there, but then when you see how Yahweh's word comes to truth, and brings forth layers of light in this dark world, it is inspiring to know that we have not been forsaken. You have not been lost. <clears throat> because Zephaniah is giving us a parallel vision of Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, of Romans chapter 1, verse 18. This is a parallel vision. If you corrupt nature and you make AI graven images that resemble the likeness of things that are in heaven and above, what do you expect to happen? Judgment. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is under heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You see, the sinfulness of human beings has drugged down nature itself. That's what's happened. Drugged down nature itself to participate in the sin and subsequent judgment, whether it be today in our modern world with singularity, transhumanism, human argumentation, biohacking, bioethics, the cyborg culture. For the wrath of Yahweh is revealed from heaven against all this ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You see, we move from the global to the national. As verse 4, your look, it shifts to Judah and Jerusalem. Because these are the very people that survived the fall, historically, of the northern kingdom to Assyria in 722, before the common era. And because they survived, they believed they were exempt from Yahweh's judgment that will encompass the whole earth. And we've got a whole society today that think because they survived World War II, they survived North Korea, they survived Vietnam, that they're going to be exempt in this day. That it's okay now to usher in a democratic form of communism and socialism. They don't understand the dangers that history shows us happened at the hands of Lenin and Stalin. You want to talk about a holocaust? 
Let's talk about the Holdemore. When 10 million Ukrainians were slaughtered by the Bolshevik Ashkenazi. Why isn't that in your history books? That's the greatest holocaust that we've ever seen. 10 million Ukrainians slaughtered in the Holdemore through starvation under communism. Dreadful, 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 dreadful. Amos 3.2 says thus, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquity. It is today the sin of three that brings down humanity. Number one, it's idolatry. And number two, it's syncretism. And number three, it's indifference to Yahuwah. People just don't care. This is what seals the fate of the apostate. This is the fruit of the long reign of Manasseh. Remember Manasseh? And the short reign of Ammon in Judah. Vassals they were of the Assyrian Empire. This is the fruit of the long reign of elected despotism. And the short reign of a republic. A republic did not last long, but despotism has taken over. Vassals of the New World Order and the globalist elite. You see, when Judah and Assyria came together, we found that Judah ended up what? Serving Assyria and serving Assyria's gods as well. Are we any different today? When humanity sides with open borders and the globalists' agenda, they, like Judah, end up serving the globalist gods and enacting the globalist goals. And you're saying, oh, you're being so melodramatic. That, that's not, that doesn't happen today. Well, bear with me. What happens when our, make, when our leaders make allegiance to their gods? What happens? 1 Kings 11.5, it is written, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the gods of the Zidonians. Listen. 1 Kings 11.5. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and who? And after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. I said before that, what happens when our leaders make allegiance to their gods? And I responded as if you were to say, oh, don't be so melodramatic. That doesn't happen today. First Kings 11 verse 33, because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonias, Shemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon. And they have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine own eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David his father. First, Second Kings chapter 23, verse 13. And the high places that were before Jerusalem 
which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had builded to Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Zidonians, and for Shemosh, and the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. You see, when you get to the point that you see no harm in the confusion of gods, importing them into your society, there is only one cure that remains. And the cure is found in the 14th verse of Zephaniah's oracle. I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the leading priests of idolatry and the priests and them that worship the host of heaven on the housetops and them that worship and swear by Yahuwah that swear by Malchum at the same time. You see, Yahuwah is going to what? Fill their places with the bones of men. You see, at these idolatrous shrines, Judean priests led the worship. This is the synagogue of Satan, the same ones that we have that are meeting this month just north of San Francisco in a little grove called Bohemian Grove. This is the skull and bones of the devil. Freemasonry of the devil. Nearly 2,000 carefully selected government officials, corporate tycoons and their luminaries, men with power to shape-shift into the future, are assembling privately in a redwood forest 65 miles north of San Francisco to do the very things that I have just written and read to you. And all of the things that Zephaniah prophesies, destruction, mayhem, they all formed in those meetings. The United Nations and the atomic bomb were birthed at Bohemian Grove. Richard Nixon, he once famously described the gathering as the most faggy goddamn thing you could ever imagine. You see, the grove contains a massive pagan idol. The national idol of the Ammonites, an owl named Milchum or Molech, the Mem Lamed Mem, sometimes a Chaf, Sophit. It's the idol from the fifth verse of our very scripture today. Right down there, 65 miles north of San Francisco. Indifference to Yahuwah. Absence from his worship and neglect of his commands brings the nations to the brink where Yahuwah gives the nations over to the death that they've actually chosen. So don't make the mistake in your faith to think that you'll be shielded from his judgment 
just because you go to church on Sunday and you're in Messiah. You cannot drink from the cup of Messiah and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of Messiah and the table of demons. You'll provoke Yahweh to jealousy. Don't think that your might is mightier than his. And how many people today think that their might is mightier than his and syncretism is perfectly acceptable if the rest of your family of faith is doing it? No. I will utterly, and utterly means utterly, sweep away everything from the face of the earth. And in this nuclear age, we have had glimpses of the instruments of that sweeping, have we not? The United Nations and the atomic bomb birthed at Bohemian Grove under the very deity that Zephania calls out right here, right now. It's the birthing of democratic socialism, slavery, and the mark of the beast. This is an introduction to what I believe is a most important prophecy to wake us up and to heal the national divide. Because ultimately, healing comes when Joseph returns home. And Joseph consists of all 12 tribes with a garment clothed in righteousness. And this is what Yahushua has for us in this generation. Zephaniah is a stern warning. Yes, it's not all fanciful and flavorful, full of goodwill and human joy. It is one of warning, of vexation, of awakening up snowflake generation. Because too many people have listened to democratic socialism and been pandered to in their communities. But when you go in and you defeat a nation, the first thing you do is tear down their flag and raise up your own. And now we are seeing that across campuses in America. And we have got less than, what, a year and a half until the next election, hold on tight because you're going to see it get more and more and more. We are on the brink of a civil war. Just as it was then, so it is today. Next week, we'll bounce right into chapter one and hopefully get thoroughly immersed into the text. But I hope this gave you a little bit of an overview, a little bit of the insight of what we're dealing with today and the realities of our present situation. Do we have any questions, any comments? Nothing. Wow. Anything? Oh. So uh, anyway, blessings. Let's close in prayer. Baruch Hashem Yahweh will connect hopefully next week with Zephaniah chapter 1 as this prophetic, prophetic message goes forward into the nations. Abba, we thank you and ask, Abba, that the words of the prophet would be cemented into us, Abba, that we'd be able to communicate them to the people out there in the world, and that, Abba, that you would shore up our houses, that they would, Abba, be fortresses, Abba, of prayer, of righteousness and holiness. B'Shem Yehusha HaMashiach. And everybody said, Amen. We'll catch you next week live, 3 o'clock on Shabbat. Amen.